0: I don't say it, you know, probably nearly often enough, but I'll tell you, you're, you're blessed in this congregation to have so many talented worship leaders, so many t- different volunteers that help, and, and certainly, Berick and all of their orchestrating there, I'm grateful for them. I hope that you know that you can tell any of them at any time that you're grateful for their, their contribution. I know that they spend time throughout the week getting ready. Some of them, obviously, in their personal time at home, and then, and then practice midweek, and certainly on Sunday mornings, so we're grateful to have these that lead us in this way, to prepare us for this moment. You know, all of worship is a funnel that comes to this moment right here where we get a chance to interact with God's Word. It gets an opportunity to dig into us and then change us and send us from this place different, a little different. I always tell people that when I teach that we talk about that you're on this path from one point to another point, and then you encounter something of Scripture and it causes you to kind of rethink the world and then it changes where you're headed to somewhere else. And if you have not encountered Jesus in a way that has changed your, your trajectory, then you maybe haven't encountered Jesus, the Jesus of Scripture, because He has radically altered the course that I was on and I hope that He's done that for each and every one of us that's here. If not, this morning will be yet another opportunity for you to embrace that. This morning I want you to turn with me in your Bibles as we continue through this, this series that we're going to be working on called Serve and on all the different aspects of, of church life. You know, there's, there's a a leading edge to to all things and some people are doing it really well and some people are not and you know we talk about things in in the world around us you know the expression like curb appeal um, the, the 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 storefront or the the window as you come and how it's dressed and all the things that when people walk to the door what do they expect and what do they see um, as you're turning to Matthew 22 I want you to, to think with me, if you've, have you ever walked into, and it's been years ago since this model, you know, was started, and, um, but you used to walk into a Target. Anybody in here like Target? Some people are, are Walmart people, I get that, but some people in here are Target people, right? And some of the husbands are like, I wish they weren't Target people because everything in Target seems like it's a dollar or two more expensive, right? But when you used to walk into Target, they had this strategy. that They had this thing at the front called the Food Avenue, and they made popcorn, and you know what I'm talking about now, right? You walk through that door and you could smell the popcorn. And you're like, man, popcorn is cheap, it's inexpensive, but it's something that makes it feel welcoming. You know, a lot of realtors will make cookies. I know that kind of went and came and went, but in the oven of the house that people are looking at to make it feel like home. You walk into to Crossroads and there's typically there's somebody to meet you at the door to tell you about what's happening, where to go, all the things. And, and, you know, this morning was a, was a grand example in, in coffee, right? People are like, what coffee this morning? And, you know, hey, some things are absolutely planned out to the letter, and some things are missed. I, we just got to the end of the rotation and haven't filled the schedule in, but, man, what a day to talk about that part of our church. Did it mess your morning up when the coffee wasn't ready? Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's okay. For those coffee drinkers, they need that you know, that that legal addictive stimulant to get going, don't they? When we talk about every aspect of our church, walks to the door, gets all the way to the welcome center, gets coffee, makes their way to their connect group, eventually finds their way in here, all this is done not so that it will make you happy to have coffee or feel well-informed, but we're, we're, we're trying to lead you right to Jesus in all of this. And if, if we're serving coffee just to make people, coffee drinkers happy, then we're wrong. If we're being good at giving instructions and telling people what's going on in our church just to make people happy, we're wrong. But if we're doing this to guide people, to invite people into a deeper relationship, to celebrate Jesus, then man, then we're doing it right. And we got to think about these aspects of this. Um, there's, there's this story that appears in Matthew chapter 22 where a grand invitation is issued. And in this invitation, something. Plot twist, you know, kind of crazy seems to unfold. So turn with me your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to pick up in verse number one. If you would stand in honor of God's word. Verse number one, chapter 22, Matthew says this. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their way. One to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways and as many as you find, invite to the wedding so that those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all who they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on wedding garment. He said to him, friend, How do you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that when we come to scripture that we are oftentimes confronted with the reality of transformation, the reality of accepting invitation, the reality of of, of rejection. Lord, I pray that this morning that we would feel just a small slice of the rejection that you feel when we get too busy, when we have other things that are pulling on our time and attention. I pray this morning that we would be as inviting from this moment forward until you call us to glory. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the, the story is one that seems a little heavy-handed. It seems a little harsh. It seems a little challenging when we read it and we study it. And, and I want to give you a, a full disclaimer here. And so I want you to look right at your neighbor and say, do you know who told this story? Ask that question. Well, the answer is if you have a Bible that has red letters, you see that as Jesus is teaching the story, it actually starts out that way in the first verse. It says that, and, and Jesus tells them this, this, this teaching. So if you feel like ever when you come to Scripture and you feel like it seems a little unbalanced or heavy-handed, I want to challenge you. Look at who says it. If it's Jesus, then we're going to say he's in charge of what gets taught, right? And we're okay that if he teaches something that we're uncomfortable with, we're going to say he's obviously doing it for, for a prescribed reason, a good, a good reason. Remember, this is the same man that, that offers us forgiveness for our sins. This is the same man who's died in our place. This is the same man who, who trains those who follow him and sends those who believe. And this is him. And he teaches this beautiful story. And so in this story, there's a couple things that I want you to notice. And point number one for your bulletin, it says is that God is sending, inviting, and filling his house. And these are all things that are present in the greater, greater scope of this, this, this small teaching. And you see, he sends out his servants. He invites those whom he wants to come. And eventually, he fills his house. Now, there's a disconnect between the invite and the filling because a second invitation is sent, and we'll get to that. But there's this picture of what God is doing, and I want you to see the thing, that, that this picture is, is not different than the King story and that God, he is constantly sending out this, this beautiful, resounding message to invite people to his, to his family. And, and churches just like this one all around the world at some point on today are gathering for the purpose of, of celebrating that very thing. You're invited. You're invited to come to his table. You're invited to celebrate his son. You're invited. And it's this beautiful picture. That's why we stand at the door. Come in. You're welcome here. Do you, know, you need to know where to go? You're welcome here. We, we are, are part of the thing. But let me ask you a question, church. You ever invited somebody and they said, I'll think about it, and then they never come to church. You guys got a little serious. You ever had your feelings hurt? Yeah. Have you ever hurt anybody's feelings by telling them you think about it and then not doing it for a long time? You've been there? Yeah. I, I, I tell the story about the opportunity to go and teach English as a second language in Belarus some, and I talk about the... The, the, one of the key moments when, at the end of the week of teaching the students that we tell them, we'll tell the story if they want to know why we've come to do it. And we get a chance to give them a, a, a very basic gospel appeal, but to tell them about our friend Jesus. And, and not allowed to say Jesus there unless you have a visa that says you can preach, and most of our visas didn't say that, but I could tell them about our friend, and the preacher that was able to preach there talked about his friend, and I say, my friend is his friend. And when he talks about Jesus, they know now I'm talking about Jesus. Careful there with that regard, and we want to be respectful of those laws when we're there. But that being said, with that gospel appeal came an invitation to come to church. And in some cases, you've got 20 or 30 students per class, and there might be 10, 10 to 15 classes, and that's a lot of students. It could be between three, four, 600 students, and depending, depending on the season, which year you go. And they all get an invitation to come to church. And I remember sitting in, in the church on the Sunday when we've invited them to come. And I've invited all these people to come. Hey, this will be your last opportunity to see me before I go home. And I remember sitting there, and it was not just one church service, but it was a couple. And I remember the first one, nobody showed up. And kind of, okay, okay, well, maybe we'll have more success a little later in the day, younger audience. And then I'm sitting there, and the next church service starts, and nobody, just nobody. And you're just like, man. And I was feeling pretty, 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 you know, disappointed. I was kind of having a little pity party. And I, and I I was talking to God about it. And you know, the resounding thing that that welled up in me was, imagine how I feel. This is from our creator. Imagine how I feel. I invite all the time, but people are busy. And it was like, wow, wow. So it's really important that when we do get them to come, when they do decide to, 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 to do it, that we try our best to do it right, to make sure that they know. And it's important, right, that when we serve, we serve in such a way that it's like, okay, we know that we're going to get to some important pieces in the story, but there's this picture, the kingdom of heaven is like, this is verse 2, a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. It says, and they were not willing to come. Mm. Mm. I don't know about you, but that bothers me. If only they knew who it was who was inviting them, right? But in this story, they clearly do. In this story, they clearly do. So point two, if you're going to take notes this morning, is is that not all will accept or behave well towards the invitation. We're going to see more of their behavior in the next couple of verses, but understand with me clearly that you need to know before you leave here today that when you invite people to, to, to not just to church but to a relationship with Jesus, that not all are going to say, yes, please sign me up, okay? Get that, get, get that under, I'm just under, under, under your, your thinking cap and just let it marinate for just a little while. Do we still use that expression, thinking cap? My wife tells me I'm old all the time. I use weird phrases. I still say icebox. I don't know that it was ever called an icebox in our household, but I, still, I say it. I'll say picture show, too, instead of movies. People think I'm old. I, I want you to know I, I don't look old enough to use those words, I'm told. But, but the reality is, is that we put this, this thought in our brain and we just think about it for a bit and we say, I'm not going to be defeated because of my fear of rejection. I'm going to know that some people are not going to be interested in this and some people are going to be hostile. Right? No thank you. If you're lucky enough to get a no thank you. I mean, I've had people get upset and slam the door and get, get wound up and, and I just always think to myself, Maybe one day, maybe one day, I've had, I've had people, you know, basically, I've asked just simple things. Can I pray for you? And they just, I don't want you to, and just, you know, and I won't go into detail, but the rejection part is real. But imagine how, how our Savior feels. Imagine that he's hanging on the cross knowing that so many will tell him no over and over and over again. And yet he's doing it anyway. Imagine him being willing to take the beating, knowing that people will deny the opportunity regularly. Rejection is part of the story. It makes it rich, though, however, on the flip side of that coin, that when we, we see people accept it, that it's, that celebration comes up in us, and we're like, wow, this is a moment by which we get to be energized because people are accepting. And, it's, and it seems like sometimes it's much smaller Verse 4 says, again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who were invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. Uh, I will tell you as a pastor, I've seen lots of people in lots of different life settings. Important, it's important for people to make a living. It's important for people to, to provide for their families. We celebrate you know, the, the work ethic that comes along with, with earning a living. That being said, it is not acceptable in any categorical understanding of a right relationship with God to always put that before him. It is not acceptable for us to let our busyness and our hurry interrupt a regular coming to to, to terms with our Savior and coming to worship and coming to be part of the story and celebration of His Son. And so what I'm saying is that sometimes you have to be creative. Sometimes you have to be creative in your work of it. You know, you may not be able to, because of a Sunday schedule, be able to be here. I'm not criticizing you for that. What I am saying is is that you need to make a meaningful effort at some point each week to come to your king. Maybe that's a small gathering. Maybe that's just you. Maybe that's something. And when people will ask you the question, they'll say, well, maybe I wasn't able to make it. Hey, I get it. But don't let your busyness and your hurry interrupt your ability to get to him because this is what's happening in this picture, right, is that people have decided, hey, my, my stuff's more important. And I will suggest to you, your stuff is not important compared to him. And that's hard medicine, but it's true. It, it's real. Because we live in a world, and you know, when I share this bit of information, it, it's going to be kind of one of those things. Some of you in this room are old enough to remember a time when going to church every single week was part of the routine. And it was expected, if you were going to be called a, a member of a church or a regular attender, that you were expected to be there every single week. Can, can any of you remember that time? Right. And, and to be serious about it, there was a number of church services that might happen in the week, and you're supposed to be at all of them, right? Okay, now we've shifted now. That's changed. And so then it went from more than once a week to like, okay, just being there once a week was enough. And then we shifted even past that to say, okay, maybe once in a while is enough. And so most people consider themselves, when, when they do the research, most people consider themselves... Regular attenders, if they attend church once every month, some have drifted out to maybe once every two or three. And looking back on the lens of 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 the 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 history, people would have looked at you and said, "Oh, that doesn't make you regular. That doesn't make you. I mean, that makes you a visitor." I had a young man tell me one time he, he comes to church. He hasn't been there the whole time. I've been I've been there for two years. He hasn't come, and he comes in and he's like, "Man." We were such a big part of this, and we used to help with this and this and this. I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. Where do you go now? Oh, you know, I just got busy, and I haven't been doing it. I'm like, okay. Thinking about coming back? Oh, you know, when I have time, I'll try to make an effort. And then we got to talking, and I'm just kind of showing him around some of the things that have changed and all the stuff. And and he hits me with a, uh, how do you, he goes, what do you consider me now? And I looked at him, I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, I'm a member, like I'm on the rolls and all that. I said, yeah, I I gathered that from your testimony and I've seen your name. I said, but I'd consider you a visitor. And he says, what? It's kind of like when you move out of mom and dad's house. You come back as a guest eventually. That's how it's supposed to be, by the way. Just saying. Just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, Hey don't take that the wrong way. I respect everybody's situation. But I'm just saying that the uh, the picture is, is that he looked at me kind of stunned because it was two years. I had never seen him once. And he all of a sudden, he wants to come back in and just be immediately reinitiated at all the things. And I'm like, wait, I need to get to know you a little bit. And there's this picture of this, this moment in this verse where it's this challenge where these people have been invited. The king has curated a list of people he wants to come to celebrate his son's wedding. And they're like, no. And then it goes on, it gets, it gets even crazier. Because not only do they make light of it, verse six says, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. And that, that's rough. But this is the picture of the, the rest of the world, by the way. In the rest of the world that we live in that we're kind of insulated from because we only take the news we want to take, we don't see that there are more martyrs for Christ right now on a regular basis than there have ever been before in history. And That, that statistic continues to grow in that capacity. And so when, when missionaries and, and church works are doing other things around the globe and people are dying for the name of Jesus, we oftentimes are completely insulated from it but you realize that some people who serve Jesus go into settings that are dangerous, and as a result, they don't come home. And that story's not different than this story. And that, man, it makes us super uncomfortable, doesn't it? It makes us super uncomfortable because we're like, man, if Brother Ben told me that we couldn't go invite people to church and, and we might die today going out to invite people to church, I'd tell you how many people would typically show up. Zero. The serious zealots would show up and you'd probably be like, you know, concealed carry Baptist church ready to go visit people. Okay? I don't, you know, hey. Okay, I'm touching on all the topics I know. I'm not against concealed carry. What I'm saying is, is that I don't think you should bring your sidearm to the invitation time. Okay? Just saying. Okay? But the reality for us is what? We see this picture of understanding that Serving the king who knows that he has this dedicated invitation to celebrate his son. And this invitation is out there. Know that some people are going to be, they're going to be rude. Some people are going to be violently opposed. Verse 7 gives us this, this, this turnabout in the story that is a plot twist. It says, but when the king heard about it, he was furious and he sent out his armies destroyed those murderers and burned up their cities And you begin to think and you say to yourself this question, this question that emerges all the time is, where is God and what's God doing when, when the, the righteous suffer, or when bad things happen and, and all this stuff? But you don't think that when Jesus teaches us that he's not leaning into the lane saying, "It infuriates our king." It enrages him, and there's coming a judgment for this. And there's coming a right time to deal with this. God is not ignorant concerning the matter of the treatment of His servants. Neither was this king. But that's not our responsibility. That's his responsibility. And part of the problem is we want to tell him what to do on how to judge those who have done wrong by us. Trust me, he knows best how to deal with those. Well, we see it continue to unfold. Verse 8, it says, Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find invite to the wedding. You know, our responsibility is important here. And it's different than what you think. right? There's a picture of of understanding that we are just to obey his invitation. And his invitation to go invite people is real. His invitation to serve others even here is real. His invitation to be a part of the everyday operation in the thing is real no matter how people treat us no matter what their manners and their behavior are like and you see this picture where he's like okay those who have invited they're not they're not coming what now I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just outline something. I highlighted it, and it's important, I think, because of the state where the church is in with the, with the conditional thinking of, of understanding our, our, our limited real reality. But in, in Western culture, America, the church is in decline, okay? I don't feel like our church is in decline, but many do, okay? Part of the reason I think it's in decline is this verse right here where people got invited and they didn't show up, and what did the servants do? They just threw their hands up, and they said, well, we invited those people that we thought were supposed to be here, and they didn't show up, and so they just quit. Let me give you a hint. It's okay to invite people, even the ones you don't know or are not comfortable with, even the ones that are outside of your scope or your knowledge or your thing. It's, un- it's okay to invite them. The king's house will be filled and it's okay. Uh, what I think is hilarious is that people are, are, are they, you look at the numbers and it tells you, they say, well, people will say in a community, they'll say, our church is dying. And I'll say, are there no more lost people in your community? And I'll say, oh, there's still lost people. There's more lost people in America than ever before. And yet your church is dying. And you say, well, what's the disconnect? The disconnect is the church isn't going out into the community and inviting the people to meet their, their Savior. So when we talk about all the aspects of service of the church, not coming to be served but to serve, what we're saying and what we're doing is what? We're here to make sure that everybody knows the story and that if it calls me to stand at this front door and welcome people to the church, that's the role I can play. If it calls me to standing in the coffee center and making coffee, if it calls me to standing in the welcome center after church and collecting connection cards and saying, we're so glad you were here today. If it calls me to that, and you say, I can be some small part of this, and saying, we need to reach an audience that's otherwise unreached. And you see this picture, and that's exactly what's unfolding here. And it's beautiful because he's like the resounding statement. So the servants went out, verse 10, to the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. Look at your neighbor and say, bad and good. Some of you know, don't you, right? You're automatically thinking, that's me. I won't say which one. And it says, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. I mean, shout of praise. This is amazing, isn't it? That the wedding hall was filled. Do you think there's going to be empty seats in heaven? I don't, I don't think so. I think there's, there's an exact number. He knows already. And he knows who's going to reject and he knows who's going to accept. I'm excited about that. I mean, it's really neat, you know, when you show up to the, to the thing. And I, if it's standing room only, I just man, just save me a little slice of the back. I'm happy. But you see this picture. Verse 11, though, the story is not over. I mean, that would be a nice place. And I think a lot of people who preach this passage end right there because it's comfortable. Verse number 11 gets uncomfortable, though. It says, but when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend... How do you come in here without a wedding garment? And the the response is, it says that he was speechless. Let me ask you this question. What is your possible explanation to your king? What could it possibly be? You see, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, it says that he has clothed us with salvation, he has robed us with righteousness. And there's this picture of our manners mattering. And, and point number three in your bulletin is our manners matter before the king. And there's an expectation that, that something will change in you. When you've accepted the invitation, the, the way that you behave ought change. I, I never, never seem to get comfortable with the idea that he comes into our lives and then we get to maintain all of our old habits, all of our bad behaviors, all of the things that that are in conflict with him. What I will tell you is that the presence of God's spirit in our lives ought to whittle on us in such a way that we ought to want to give away those bad habits in favor of grabbing onto him a little bit more. And, And as we get into that picture, what are we doing? We're changing our behavior. We're going that moment of salvation and then that, that righteousness that comes along after it, which robes us, is above and beyond this picture. Our right behavior is transformative. I don't believe that everybody gets to the same right behavior immediately. And I used to try to excuse people all the time, and it was a bad habit of mine. People would say stuff, and I would say, oh, you know, it's okay. And I'd say, if, if you apologize to me, don't apologize to me, apologize to him. And I'm not going to excuse it. If if you feel like you feel some guilt over some matter, then please, by all means, take it to the king. Take it to the king. Because there's there's one thing that I know in scripture, and this is something you need to hear me say very clearly, and that is wherever there is remorse and repentance, there's forgiveness. And this man stands speechless before his king and says nothing. He has nothing to say. But I guarantee that in the scope of Scripture, when you read the message and you see it throughout, wherever you cry out to him and ask for forgiveness, whenever you look to him and express remorse for the bad behavior, for the thing that's incongruent with what his expectations are, there is redemption in it. But there is no redemption in trying to be justified in the negative thing that you did before him. And that's one of the problems, one of the narratives in our current world is that we we try to justify all the bad stuff. And we just put it out there in front of them and say, well, this is the reason I did it. And you say, no, 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 I think you should start with I'm sorry. You're right, I'm not dressed right. I'm not behaving right. I'm not clothed, prepared for this moment. Our behavior matters. Our manners matter. It goes on, and there's this moment where the king now not only did he express his 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 furious nature with those who reject his invitation, he also deals with us who are in his number that have been invited into his home that don't behave well. Then the king said to the servants, "Bind him hand and foot, and take him out, and cast him into outer darkness." And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This expression appears many times in scriptures. I'm not going to unpack it for you this morning, but there's a, a moment here where there's this talk of suffering. The separation that comes from a broken relationship with God oftentimes includes much suffering. And there's this picture. There's this overwhelming picture of, of, of what our responsibility is, what his responsibility is, and oftentimes we get those two things confused. Let me clear it for you in, in point number four. Our role is to invite God will handle out the sort, okay? He's handling the sorting out. It's not your your concern to handle the sorting out. It's his responsibility. Our, Our job is to be at that door and say, come in. To go outside that door and say, come in. To get all the way up to the front door of somebody else's house and say, come in. Come with me. We're celebrating the king's son. We want you to come and be a part. You know, I don't know about you, but there was a moment, and, and I tell on myself a little bit here, and I don't know anybody in here that ever gets insecure about dating. Anybody ever in here was just as like, cool as a cucumber when it came to dating? You were like, man, I am good to go. I got this. I know what to wear. I know little things. I'll tell you what. When I First time I went on a date with my wife, you know, I was trying to feel it out like, okay, what are we going to wear? Like, like what are, how are you going to dress? I don't, I don't want to be too much or too little here. I want to know. And I'm a checklist guy. I want to plan it out. don't you think we ought to have at least that much investment in our creator? Okay, what's okay here? What's not okay here? How should we behave? Because the only excuse we have is not leaning in and not asking the question because there's an expectation and there's a measure in this and there's a measure in understanding that his, his very invitation ought to change us. Accepting that invitation ought to change us there are not going to be this accidental moment in heaven. It's going to be intentional. His intentional work on the cross, our response to that sacrifice, our right and upright behavior going forward. Man, when we get to this, and I told you it was hard to get to the very last verse, it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. And there's this picture. The the, the net is cast broad. It is out there. It is wide. But, but I suggest to you that, that this is true of Jesus, but it is not necessarily true of us. When I talk about churches that are struggling, oftentimes I think to myself, I'm like, but are you casting the net? Is it inviting everyone? Because only you're only going to get some of them. But I think people just gave up after that first invitation. After they were treated badly, they just stopped inviting. The king tells us to invite, invite, invite. He is sending us to do that and he is filling his house. You want to be a part of that? Let's be a part of that. Well, today you might be in this place and you might be saying to yourself, man, there's some bit of behavior in my life that doesn't quite fit. And I don't want to be before the king speechless, so I need to come and unburden myself with this. And in a moment we'll have an invitation. You can come and pray about anything. If you want me to pray for you, I'll be here. Ted will be here to pray. I want you to see the picture here that we do these things so that we can celebrate him. But let's do so in a manner when we come that we are unburdened from these things that are between us and him. Would you stand with me today? Lord, we thank you that as we can just bring you everything. Lord, I know that I don't, I don't, I don't know where I was at in the invitations. I don't think I was on that first list. But I'm grateful that I made a list at all. And I'm grateful that as as I've come into your home, Lord, into your house, into into the waiting room of the eternity in front of me, Lord, that I can continue to work on my relationship with you. And you can continue to point out the things in my life that are inconsistent or wrong. I, I pray, Lord, this morning, that as each and every one of us face that, that you would begin to bring to the top the thing that's in our life that, makes us seem unworthy. Lord, we know that we can't do anything to earn this salvation, but there is a right way to behave after it. I pray, Lord, for these that are here, maybe that have never heard this before, that maybe want to know more about you. Feeling an invitation for the very first time, I pray that you would just encourage them to come and talk with me about it. I ask, Lord, for the rest, Lord, that are here, that they might surrender completely into the task of continuing to invite and continuing to invite and continuing to invite knowing that our role and our responsibility is not to sort. Our role is to invite. We ask for this in Jesus' name, amen.